Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight. Give it to him. Give it to him. Boom, shakalaka. Hello and welcome to Friday's episode of Hotline Rings, the 42's Olympic podcast. I'm on Luke O'Callag in for Steve O'Rourke and I'll be joined on the line by Niall Kelly, who's on the ground in Rio de Janeiro. On this morning's show, we'll be looking back at the first round of Olympic golf in 112 years. We'll also be previewing a big day for Team Ireland with finalists in the men's and women's lightweight double skulls this afternoon. And we'll also look ahead to the athletics, which gets underway today. She's going to get a third Olympic gold medal, 17 years of age. What a missy this one is. So we're joined on the line now by Niall Kelly, who's out in Rio. And Niall, we had the first round of Olympic golf in 112 years yesterday with Parik Harrington and Seamus Power flying the flag for Ireland. How did they get on? Porig is uh, sitting one under par uh, going into round two. Yeah, really, really promising start on Luke. I mean, Porig, as you said, shot one under. Seamus shot level par. The only thing is that at the head of the field, Marcus Fraser has set a, set a quite remarkable pace and got into the clubhouse on minus eight. So there's a bit of a gap opening up already. I don't know really. The weather is already very changeable. As I speak to you here in Rio this morning, the it's absolutely bucketing down. So the conditions already are very different today. The right. course is likely is likely to play a very different is likely to play a lot more tricky, I think, for for the golfers out there. So it remains to be seen how how that will affect the way things are standing up. Yeah, um, I, Sinead was uh, she was out yesterday and she was talking to Irish team captain Paul McGinley, who actually he talked about how windy it was, but how they were in still in good spirits and enjoying the atmosphere in Rio. The wind has picked up a bit now, which was exactly the forecast. I'm pleasantly surprised how big the crowds are. Um, big crowds here, good atmosphere, and um, this is going to be the windiest day of the four. Um, as the week goes on, the wind is going to decrease a little bit, and the temperatures are going to go up. Um, so, but this is a good Irish breezy day. Um, four days like this, and we'll be, yeah. we'll be very happy. Harrington's still in a position that he could kind of come back into the the swing of things. Even just a couple of weeks ago in the PGA Championship, he had a disappointing couple of opening rounds, but then he found some form and he finished in tied thirteenth after hitting I think a sixty five and a sixty eight in the last two days. Could he potentially do that again and kind of get himself back in the running for this? Absolutely, I think he was very he was very consistent yesterday, which is which will stand to his credit. And there's no doubt, as we were saying on yesterday's pod, there's no doubt that he's really he he's targeted this kind of window with the two majors just before, with the Open and the USPGA, and now the Olympics. He's really been gearing himself up for a run in this in this little block of events to see to give himself at least one really positive result. He his comments afterwards yesterday were. Much very much along the lines of what he's been saying all along. He referred to to the rest of the let's call them the Zika No shows as sheep, and it's it, it's very clear that I suppose he sees himself as not only an ambassador for Ireland this week, but an ambassador for the game of golf as well. He's delighted to be out here, and I'm sure that will only increase his appetite to to string together four serious rounds and put himself in the mix come Sunday. Of course, he was one of the the big names uh, lobbying to get golf reinstated into the Olympics, wasn't he? 
He was, and I, I think Paul McGinley as well. I, it seems to be a team running throughout this this Irish camp. Paul McGinley was very adamant as well that the the golfers who are there are the ones who are really doing golf a great service and and representing golf in the in the best possible way. So I don't know. Like it's kind of hard to know really golf. At the Olympics, it, 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 it's a global sport. It is ultimately a very professional sport. And for me, I suppose there's just been so much else going on yesterday and again today that maybe it's just kind of not top of the priority list, or at least it won't be top of the priority list for me and for most of the other Irish journalists out here yeah. until it gets to Sunday if Porrick or Seamus are in the mix. I know... A lot of a lot of the journalists went out yesterday purely because of the novelty of it being back in the Olympics and because they were interested to see the course and they were interested to see how Pork and they were interested to have a chat with Pork and with Seamus. Mm. But I'm not really sure if today and tomorrow, especially when you look at the schedule of events that we've got coming up later today with the two rowing finals, you've got the hockey team action against Argentina and must win later on. You've got the track and field starting with Irish people in action and Mark English in action in the morning session. You've got Chloe McGee out in the badminton. You've got Annalise. You've got all of the sailors, actually. All four of our sailing boats are out to, again today. Yeah. I mean, where do you fit golf into that? <laughs> I suppose, yeah. And, like, even I suppose, Rory McIlroy said uh, before the Olympics started that he mightn't even watch the golf. He'd watch, in his words, the things that mattered. So, like, when... So somebody at Rory McIlroy's level is saying that the golf in the Olympics doesn't matter. Like, I suppose it, it is easy to to lose not not to focus on it and to go for the other sports that are kind of more established in an Olympic sense. Um, but Seamus Power though, he's he's ranked two hundred ninety fifth in the world. He's holding his own after the first day. He's on even par, just one off, uh, one behind Harrington himself. Yeah, I mean, for someone like Seamus Power, okay. He must have, at the start of the year, he must never have thought. All the talk was that Ireland would be represented here by Roy McIlroy and Graham McDowell. Mm. And he must have never thought that it was going to tumble so far down. He's He was the fifth in line behind McIlroy, McDowell, Lowry, Harrington. Mm. He, must have ne- he must have never believed that it would tumble so far down that he would get to call himself an Irish Olympian. So I think for someone like him, this week must be very special. He's he's playing on the secondary tour at the moment, the web.com tour. And, I mean, is it fair to say that this, when Seamus Power looks back in his career, when all is said and done, this will be one of the outstanding highlights? I, I think it is. And that's not to say that he won't go on to win a main tour card or go on to do go on to do great things. But, you know, this is, this is obviously going to be an outstanding moment for him, and I'm, I would imagine he's relishing it this week. Well, absolutely. I think for any athlete, like reaching the Olympics is it's a big achievement. Kind of no matter what discipline you're in, to be able to call yourself an Olympian is huge. Like you know. Yeah, definitely, and I think that was probably people's slight issue with golf's return and with the attitude that a lot of the world's top golfers were showing to it. It was that being an Olympian for them didn't hold the same. It wasn't. It just didn't seem to be as significant yeah. as it is for people who are operating in four-year cycles. For someone like, say, Sinead Lynch, who is out today in the women's lightweight school final at 39 years of age, having been trying to make it to the Olympics 
for the best part of 15 years in two different disciplines. Yeah. Don't, don't forget the Sinead was rowing and then turned to cycling and then went back to rowing. And yeah. it has taken her this long to make it to an Olympics. So you you tell me how an Olympics can be compared in importance for someone like Sinead Lynch and for someone like Rory McIlroy. Yeah, there's, there, there's worlds of a difference between the between the two things. But for someone like Seamus Power and for someone like Paula Carrington, who obviously you know really values the olympic ideal and what it means to be an olympian sure yeah yeah and moving on to the rowing i suppose there um and Sinead lynch and claire lamb they're in the final today along with the o'donovan brothers um lynch and lamb yesterday they came third in their semi-final but it was a time that would have won the other semi-final are they looking at a potential medal today i think both both crews have to be looking at a potential medal really on luke they both of them were in the fastest in the fastest semi-finals yesterday. Both of them were third. So both of them technically, had they been drawn in the on the other side of the draw, would be going into today as semi-final winners. And you would certainly be thinking, do you know what? Yeah, that that's they 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 they've got to fancy their chances here. As far as I know, they've both been been drawn in lane one, the outside lane for their respective finals today. Speaking to the O'Donovans yesterday, as as you can probably tell from the, the tone and tenor of their interviews over the last <laughs> few days, they really couldn't care less what lane they were drawn in. I think the the response might have been, Asher, we'll give it a crack forever. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, I think um, Paul O'Donovan yesterday in an interview with RT, he was saying that uh, they're asking about the Europeans at the end of the month and if they'd be going. And he just goes, ah, yes, we will for the crack, sure. So and like they just seem so carefree out there, and they're just loving every minute of it. They actually they did an interview with RT yesterday, and it's after going a bit viral online. And in the words of Paul O'Donovan, "Tis after spiraling away on the interweb." So I have a listen to a bit of it here now. Yeah, we go home now and get ourselves into a nice bet anyway. Um, cool ourselves down a bit after that and get a bit of steak. A bit of steak, yeah. The, the food is fantastic there. Like you can have steak for <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner with spuds if you like. Yeah, yeah we've had all sorts of stuff for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> so hard to make the way. There not. We're only small beans. Yeah. It'll be very tight, and they've done it. Paul O'Donovan and Gary O'Donovan win their heat. The O'Donovan brothers—they they seem to be a pair of characters, really. Um, have you been talking to them much at all out there now? I actually, I actually haven't had a chance to bump into them yet, just because of the way schedules are going. Mm. I was down at the rowing, I was down at the rowing yesterday, and I got to see them race, but I had to disappear off because they went, they went to cool down for an hour and a half, and they went to have some food, and they went to do a few other bits and pieces, which, by all means, work away. You're in the Olympic final the next day. By all means, do what needs to be done. Mm. But it just meant because of the way times were, I had to disappear off before they appeared to do their media. But I've, I've been following the reaction and the coverage back home and I can see it's very evident that they are becoming the darlings of the Irish <laughs> Olympic team just purely because of the colour they are bringing. They are typical 23-year-old, 22-year-old lads. They seem to be taking absolutely everything in their stride. Nothing will phase them. They are unbelievable at the one-liners. That line yesterday... <laughs> about it being great to beat the Brits, it being 2016, the anniversary of the of the Rising, was just... I mean, you don't you don't pre-prepare or plan things like that. That's the kind of... That's, a, that's an insight into how, into how the O'Donovan's minds work. That, that is just the, the quote of the quip that comes off the cuff. And 
I would love nothing more than to see them medal today. Not, not not only because it would be great to finally get an Irish medal in the bag after a bit of a slow start over the first six days and a few disappointments, but because the interview that they will give afterwards will surely be one of the highlights of the games. Absolutely. I think, yeah, every, as you said, everyone's after falling in love with them. They're a breath of fresh air, really, to see kind of two lads like that who, like, obviously, like, a lot of professional athletes would have ha- have media training and everything and even in interviews it might come off a bit dull or bland but these these two guys they really light up the olympics and i suppose that's kind of that's some part of what the olympics is all about is you've, you've got these guys in who just speak what they're thinking really and they're just they're honest and i think that, that that's why everybody at home here has really fallen in love with them so hopefully they can uh, they can do well now later on yeah, and don't be don't be fooled either into thinking that because they're doing a bit of the Jack the Lad and they're, they're having a bit of crack that not taking this incredibly seriously. Yeah, as you said yourself, these guys these guys are coming in as European gold medalists. I think they've a string of top fives in World Cup events across the early part of the season. These guys are genuine contenders. They would have known long before they came out to Rio that they were going to be in a medal race and that they were going to be in with, in with, uh, with as one of six boats with a real genuine chance of taking home a medal from these Olympic Games. And I think that, and, and the same the same goes for, for Lynch and Lamb as well. They, they will have known that they were coming out here with every chance of getting into the final. And I think that, that both of them are taking it so in their stride is really positive. Obviously, by the time this podcast goes out, we'll either be very close to race time or the races will actually be over and people might well be aware of how both Irish crews have gone on. But I think all the signs here, as we look forward to it now a few hours in advance, all the signs are two really strong contenders but two really positive and refreshing attitudes that should leave them with every chance of success. Absolutely. Moving on to the athletics and the athletics is kicking off today. Up first from an Irish point of view is Mark English in the 800 metres and then just after in the final of the 10,000 this afternoon is Fanula McCormick. What can we be expecting from Irish athletics today now? A lot of uh, Irish athletes have declared for a few events and we're not quite sure whether or not they will they will actually go. I know Fanula is declared for the 10,000 and she is declared for the marathon yeah. as well. Now, there's a chance that she might... It, it, she's, she's obviously listed for both, whether she runs today as a prep for the marathon or whether she decides to leave it off, I suppose, will only become apparent close to the time. Same with mm. Rob Heffernan. He's listed for the 20K race walk along with Alex Wright, but it will really... His main focus will be on the 50. So, again, does he go out and kind of use it as, an, as a chance to acclimatise to Rio and... Get 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 to get into the swing of things. The two that really will be looking to leave it all out there in the morning session. We have Mark English who runs in the heats of the 800, mm. and in the evening we have Kira McGeehan who runs in the heats of the 1500. And um, both kind of coming in in very different shape. Mark has had an, a season pockmarked by injury maybe showed a little bit of signs at the London Anniversary Games that he was coming back to form, ran a time that was by far his best of the season. Now, to put that into context, the rest of his times this season have been have been pretty average just because he's been working himself back to fitness. So mm. it was nice to see maybe a glimpse that he might be able to, to put those troubles behind him and perform at something close to his best in in these games. It's always always tricky when you're 
your Olympic season or the season of your Olympic year has been disrupted by injury. But there, there would be a little bit of hope that maybe Mark could could put together a good enough time to get himself out of the heats and into the semi-finals. I think expectations are a little bit higher for Kira McGeehan, who is arguably our best chance of making a, a track final. He comes in, of course, on the back of that uh, European bronze yeah. not so long ago. A race in boxed in the last 50 metres, coming around that bend. Could she have maybe got up to get silver or gold had the race just broken slightly differently? Maybe. But if you listen to Kira, if you listen to Gary Kiernan, who many people will be familiar with from his tree, they're definitely targeting an Olympic semi-final and then an Olympic final. Yeah. So, can contend in an Olympic final. The 15 one is so competitive. It is absolutely loaded with talent. And so it would be no disgrace to finish mid-division in the 1500 final. But I think anything less than a place in the final, the two of them will probably look at it as maybe a little bit disappointing. Kira has had potential but for so many years now. As a, as a junior athlete, she was well-described, very frequently described, as the heir to Sonia O'Sullivan's throne yeah. over, the, over those distances. And it's only now that she's really getting a chance. She has had a brutal run of injuries in the last two or three seasons. And it's only now that she's really getting a chance to flourish and show what she's truly capable of. She's at an age when she can still develop. And I think now is the time for her to, to double down on the form of Europeans and to show that she's a genuine, genuine contender at world level and can count herself in the top 12 in the world. And that is what they will be looking for. That's what the Irish team, herself and Jerry Kiernan, will be hoping for over the next few days. Absolutely. yeah. Like As you mentioned there, the standard in athletics is at such a huge level in international, at, at the Olympics. But I suppose these days, we, we saw there emerge yesterday that one of the Kenyan coaches has been sent home after trying to pose as an athlete for a drugs test. And it's not the first Kenyan doping controversy, even at this Games, and not the first doping controversy by any means. It, doping and the Olympics have kind of gone hand in hand this time around to kind of to a point where we're not really sure what we're looking at. Is, is there a sense that like those guys got caught with doping, the Kenyans, the, the Russians? Like, is, is there a sense that right, these are the guys that got caught? What about the guys who aren't getting caught? Are we going to forever associate doping with the 2016 Olympic Games? I think we probably are, unfortunately. I mean, I don't think there's any escaping what... I don't think there's any escaping the storylines that have been present coming coming into these games. And I don't think there's any really escaping the fact that the IAAF have an awful lot of work to do to get their, their house in order. Sure, they took a much stronger stand than the IOC and it's a much welcome one in in banning the Russian track and field athletes from the games. I mean, that really, considering what we know, that would have made a complete mockery of everything that's going to go. We've seen Absolutely. the reaction that, that other Russian athletes in the pool, Yulia Efimova, people mm. along those lines, have, have gotten uh, Efimova again, only silver last night, much to the delight of the crowd in the pool, who have been really relishing her her inability to, to get up and win an Olympic title, I think. But it's just, it seems that uh, 
it seems that this will be will be part of the legacy, really. It, it, and I think that's only fair. I think as viewers and as any athletics fans out there or any Olympics fans out there, I think we've been bitten too many times mm. and we've been fooled too many times to be naive about this and to to kind of keep suspending disbelief and to keep taking it on trust that the IOC and WADA and the IAAF and USADA and all these people who are tasked with keeping sport clean. Like we've seen the Lamine Diak controversy in the IAAF, even the, the Kenyan controversy from earlier this week about coaches being bribed, being bribed yeah. to notify athletes when, when testers were coming. Like the people, the watchdogs have shown that if the price is right, they're willing to look the other way in a mm. lot of cases. Mm. It's impossible to have any trust in those systems. It really is. And there are so many problems. Like the, if you look at so many countries, you look at Jamaica and their testing regime, it's riddled with problems. Yeah. If you look at Ethiopia and theirs, it's riddled with problems. We knew Kenyans, Kenya's was problematic. We knew the Russians were dirty and the state-sponsored doping. But what else do we not know? Yeah, this is it. Like, And I suppose the one of the big things that strikes me, a big comparison, is the Tour de France, after Lance Armstrong's real fall from grace, kind of interest, it, it suffered a lot from interest from the public and it kind of, it, it's standing in a lot of people's kind of opinions has kind of dramatically fallen are we looking at something similar for the olympics after all of this after people see the doping that's going on in the olympics as well like is it going to become not irrelevant but kind of less relevant are people going to say ah it's the olympics sure they're all on drugs there's definitely that bit of fatigue seeping in and i've heard i've heard people say it. i heard it before i flew out here and i've heard it a little bit not so much out here but i have i have heard it kind of mentioned indirectly out here but that fatigue is like, why, why would we bother watching this? I think for me and being amongst the, and being amongst the Irish athletes, I've had to spend a bit of time thinking about all of these issues and how they all fit together. And in some respects, thinking about why, why have I even bothered to be out here? What's the point? Yeah. And I think that, that the thing that maybe will differentiate the Olympics from something like cycling is that cycling, cycling is a pro game. At the Olympics, you still have, although there's an awful lot of professionals here and there's an awful lot of amateurs who are effectively competing as professionals, you still have a lot of those stories about athletes who, clean athletes who have given their lives to the pursuit of something really special, to the pursuit of the Olympic ideal. Um, briefly, we'll just have a quick look at the hockey, the Men's team uh, had a good win yesterday. Um, two goals from Shane O'Donnell, four uh, two victory over Canada. They've now got a must win game uh, against Argentina later on. They do, and I think this was this is what was expected all along. That we knew that they had been drawn in a remarkably difficult group. We knew that the fixture list was front loaded that it was always going to be tough to get anything out of India, Netherlands and Germany. And I think the team always knew that provided results elsewhere went their way, that if they could put themselves, if they could win against Canada and against Argentina in their final two games, 
they will give themselves a real shot of making it into the quarterfinals. So what we have essentially today now is a last 16 shootout. This is this is knockout hockey. Ireland need to win to go through. And they they I think they will feel that it's well within. Argentina have been have been improving. It's going to be a really tough test for Ireland, but I think they will all of their preparations will have been geared towards this kind of knockout, knockout mentality because they knew they'd be going into the last game with everything on the line. And to put in that performance against Canada yesterday, to get the monkey off their backs, Ireland's first win in an Olympic hockey tournament in 108 years, it will really it will really kind of give them the boost that they need going into the game today. So hopefully yeah. we'll keep our fingers crossed the, the really... that we might have we might have a quarter final to be to be writing home about. Yeah, they're, they've really kind of set the stage in the lead up to it. So hopefully we can have a, a Robbie Brady-esque moment um, later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's perfect. That's it for this week. Um, we'll be back on Monday looking back at the weekend's action. Thanks to Niall Kelly for joining us from Rio. I've been Onluka Kelly and this has been Hotline Rings. Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight. Give it to him. Give it to him! Boom! Shaka-laka! Ah! Jesse Taylor! Jesse Taylor!